Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. Today on the ZabeCast, wheelchair boxing, plus, hey, who put that bird here? And things that are, in fact, getting better in sports. All that, plus imagine dying on a fake Titanic. Your 30-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Oh, here we go! Wednesday, August 4th, 2021. Thank you for downloading. Did you miss this snazzy open? Is it totally pointless? Did you notice the last two days I just got right into it? with my guest, and it was all me and my guest for the whole podcast. Did you miss it? Is it better? Is it worse? Which do you like? Shall I craft a new open that's more perhaps slim and to the point? Gets right into the podcast. Maybe I'll just start talking. How about that for the start of the podcast? I'm not sure any of it matters. You're here to hear me, right? And what I have to say and who I have to talk to and the usual mirth and merriment and perhaps some thoughtful introspection here from time to time. Do you ever hear my open and think, hmm, doesn't sound like there's anything in there I'm interested in, so I'm out. Anyway, we'll see what the feedback is and I'll act accordingly or maybe just ignore it. Today is a one-man Wednesday show, which I think may become a thing. One-man Wednesday. It rhymes, right? which I think uh, would be good for me to relieve some of the production pressure. So the middle of the week, I've already got a podcast ready to go that's in the can that, by the way, is not going to be stale. It's going to be better, perhaps, than some of the other podcasts. And it hopefully has a longer shelf life. Talking about things that I say, that I look at, and I go, you know what? I really want to spend some time on this. Let me dedicate a Wednesday one man to it, and then we'll get to it. Uh, and I think it might stay longer than, you know, just me reacting, dude. Did you see what Shaq said last night? So today could be one of those days. So let's get going. 10 cuts, 30 minutes. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Let's go. Cut two. Some things in sports are, in fact, 
getting better. I said the other day, I said, I don't think anything in sports is getting better. It's all getting just incrementally worse, incrementally worse in all kinds of ways. It's not true. I thought about this. I said, you know what? There's some things that are getting better. No question. So I came up with a short list, and you can help me add to it as we go along. Television coverage, high definition, ultra high definition, shot tracer, first down lines, red zone channel, spider cam, and on and on and on. My God, it's so good now. And it's so good in a way that makes you not just say, well, I can see what's going on better. You understand the sport better because of what we can now see, especially hockey. You know, in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs, goals are scored so quick in, in any time in the hockey game. But, you know, you're watching the Stanley Cup. You're like, how did that goal happen? They can slow it down. They have so many good super slow-mo angles. You see the kind of lightning quick, ultimate finesse moves that make up the game of hockey at the highest level. And all those other advancements, I mean, it's just, it's great. Watching sports today has never been better. Also, our access to see things that we normally wouldn't be able to watch has expanded tremendously. Not just every team in every city, anytime you want, but how about things that you normally would never get to see, like delicacies that are niche sports, only a handful of super fan nerds like this stuff, but you get to see it. Things like the Junior World Hockey Championships on TV, the NCAA Golf Championships on TV, Premier League now on U.S. television on Saturday mornings. Incredible. The Draft, the Combine, Summer League, NBA. (laughs) Again, these are delicacies that we now get to see are delivered right to us when before you couldn't see this kind of stuff. I would say the ability to purchase uniforms and logoed gear of our favorite teams has gotten undeniably better. I mean, it's to the point of saturation where you have to say, okay, hey, NFLshop.com, let's back off just a bit. I've already spent a lot of money with you. I'm going to spend more, but I've got to slow down. I would say in golf, agronomy is getting better at courses. It is easier now, although not easy, but it is less challenging now to keep putting surfaces, the key component of any golf course, at a high level at even average public courses. The agronomy, the methods are getting better and better. The strains of grass are getting better. The equipment we use to hit the ball further, straighter, better and better. Also, the athletes are getting better at their sport. Giannis Atentacumpo is a better version of all the other big man versions that came before him in terms of what he can do. Now, there's still some weaknesses, obviously. Free throw shooting in less than 10 seconds is one of them. He's not much of a three-point shooter, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, the three-point shot is going to come for Giannis, and he's going to approach 30% from out there, and that's the final piece of him being the ultimate, ultimate weapon. Mark the tape. Remember I said this, mark my words. Shohei Otani. I mean, (laughs) I remember all the sort of fake-ass, two-way, pseudo baseball players. Nobody really tried to go two ways pitching and hitting. But there was, you know, Dion was like, I'm going to play football and baseball. Normally, if you played two sports, one of them you were not very good at. The only guy who was really good at two other than, you know, uh, other than Shohei, but who's not – 
well, he's good at one sport, but uh, the only guy they can think of is Bo, Bo Jackson, obviously. Bo was a natural. Bo was a freak. Uh, we have a genuine playoff in college football now. That's better. We used to have not just no playoff. We used to have ties. <laughs> we used to have ties and no playoff in college football. It's insane. And things like the NFL, they've been forced to, well, you know, not treat their players like complete cattle, which I think is an improvement over the years. They've gone too far, in my opinion, in many other people's opinions, like, well, you can't touch anybody. Uh, but they're not just saying, oh, you got a concussion, rub some dirt on it, and get back out there. Cut number three. Andy, oh, Andy. I read you this email at zabe at yahoo.com from one of my loyal listeners. He writes, Steve, I couldn't believe that you let Andy spout so much misinformation about the virus and vaccines. First and foremost, there was never a vaccine for the 1918 flu. Yeah, Andy said, that's how we ended the 1918 pandemic. Mm, no, actually wasn't. And I almost said that, but I just, it was not 99. I was not, I was not 99.8% sure. <laughs> so I just, I held back on that. Plus, I didn't want to get into the fact the average age of death from the 1918 Spanish flu was less than 30. The average age of death from the current virus is 78.6, which is right at life expectancy. There's no proof that vaccinated people are catching the virus from the unvaccinated. There's no proof, but they probably are. But it's probably going both ways. Uh, This listener says there's no proof that the unvaccinated are more likely to carry the virus. We're still figuring that out. But as of now, there's no firm proof of that. It's going around. It's going to, what have I said? Virus going to virus. It's going where it wants, when it wants, and we can't stop it. He says there's no proof that vaccinated people are less likely to die from the virus. I would disagree with that. I believe the vaccines have proven through clinical trials to greatly reduce uh, severe outcomes and death. So I can't get on board with that. But uh, and the fifth point, he says, is the NFL played an entire season last year without the availability of a vaccine, and not one player was hospitalized, to my knowledge. Yes, I don't recall one player either. And I, I know that Von Miller had a bad run of it before the season began, and that was kind of well publicized. I know that in baseball, Freddie Freeman of the Braves said, yeah, I felt like I was going to die, and you know, but then he lived. Um, there's been a handful of guys who have missed the season with either, you know, after effects of it, some myocarditis and whatnot, but I don't remember a guy being hospitalized, and you know you would have heard about it. And there's a lot of NFL players that had had high BMIs, body mass indexes, big linemen, that would have been susceptible. Anyhow, uh, this emailer says, nothing he said about the vaccine and virus could be verified. I know he's a good friend of yours, but he is so uninformed that you missed an opportunity to correct his misconceptions. I did pick up your vibe that you were essentially mocking him. I wasn't mocking him. I was just kind of saying, okay. So if they say boosters every fall and spring, you're down? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. But you should have been more direct, Zay. Based on his statements about the virus and flu, I don't trust or respect any of his opinions on sports. It's because of scared rabbits like him that the rest of us who do not live in fear may have our right to live our lives without vaccine passports taken away. I agree. The problem is I can't persuade Andy Poland of anything. 
I spent 16 years in a studio trying. And what's weird is that Andy is very unconcerned about certain negative outcomes and danger in life that I express shock and amazement. Like, really? Like, Andy would confront panhandlers angrily downtown in D.C. And I'm like, bro, you got to go easy, man. That guy might be crazy. I mean, I know he's crazy. He's poor guy's living on the streets, but he might have a knife or something. He might come and piss on you. It's like, go easy. He's like, ah, what's he going to do? Andy's the same guy that refuses to pick up his step when we were walking across a busy uh, six-lane, three-each-way Rockville Pike to go get lunch. I'd see the cars and be like, okay, I don't want to be in this roadway any longer than possible. Andy just walks across. He's like, I got the right of way. And I go, yeah, you got the right to be dead, too. Let's go. Step it up. He's the same guy that climbed up on a ladder uh, into a tree with a hand saw to start cutting down branches. And I'm like, bruh, that's very dangerous. You know that? You're like, <laughs> a lot of people fall off ladders and die. He didn't care. He's like, what? oh, come on now. So what's weird is that he's so you know afraid of this virus, it seems, when he has never been afraid of getting sick. He has one of the most amazing records of never being sick because he lives a very simple, very disciplined life that I actually quite respect. It was interesting he said that he gets the flu vaccine now because his doctor told him to. And I think the fact that his doctor told him to is all you need to know. So I've never con- uh, succeeded in persuading Andy of anything. And I didn't really want to derail the discussion yesterday with you know trying to argue with him. But what's weird is that Andrew is a voracious reader of newspapers and not just the sports section. And Andy is also a guy who's seen scads and scads of things in life that are total bullshit. I mean, nonsense on wheels. He's seen it and knows it. He's quite cynical about a lot of things. I know this from spending a lot of time with him. But he's not particularly curious, particularly curious, I've found. When he's not interested in something, he's not interested. And that's that. And I guess I could tell him, yeah, no, that. 1918 flu did not get solved by a vaccine, and and there's actually no proof of this, and there's actually some studies that show that. And I mean, he believes what he believes. What can I say? Cut four. From the COVID front lines. Name withheld for discretionary purposes. I appreciate the email, though. He says, I live in a rural part of the country, and I am conservative. Like you, I think both parties are ridiculous in this whole COVID thing, and the press has an obvious agenda, and the CDC has done very little to engender confidence. I am the chief medical officer of my hospital. I've been the final decision maker for our hospital's response to COVID-19 for the past month, to six, uh, past 16 months, excuse me. I'm a practicing I'm a practicing anesthesiologist. See, I choked because I knew that big word was coming. I've got a master's in public health. Uh, he says, my undergraduate major was molecular biology. That's a lot of virology, genetics, biochemistry, and immunology. I have lived every change in this COVID landscape, and I am frankly quite tired of it along with the rest of the world. I have listened to your takes, and I appreciate that they are well thought out, and you are applying some good logic to it. I am well aware that the data is equivocal, 
not unequivocal, but equivocal in a lot of areas. And to that end, I will do my best to share my experience with COVID. One, I hate masking and it's overused as in outdoors and in low density areas, but in conjunction with social distancing, it works. But it doesn't. He says, in my usual year, my hospital would admit well over 100 flu cases and probably close to 100 RSV cases in children. Last year, we had four total flu cases, and none of them needed admitting, and we didn't have a single RSV admission. All right, here's the thing about masking. The, there's no RCT or... Um, what do they call them? Uh, real controlled trials, real world controlled trials, real clinical trials. RCT stand for, let me just get this right here. Randomized control, randomized controlled trial. There's no, no RCTs, the gold standard that say, ah, here it is. There is no country anywhere with any of the case curves and the ups and downs of the waves of COVID in which you can point to a mask mandate and say, ah, there it is. There's the line mask mandate and boom. There's the drop right there. At most, you get convoluted, tortured. We're just beating the shit out of the data to try to prove that it works sort of excuses. In many cases, mask mandates go in. Cases go through the roof. Now, where did the flu go? Great question. I've read that there is a possibility that there is something called viral interference in which COVID basically edged out all the flu. I don't know enough about that. I've read about it. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Also, there is um, the the question of, so you're telling me the masks worked for RSV and for flu, but they didn't work for COVID because there's no clear evidence anywhere in which it crushed transmission. Interesting. Because if you believe masks crushed flu, then we have one hell of a virus in which the flu virus walks into the mask and is like, oh, I'm trapped. Shit. I can't get around this. I can't get through it. Ah, I'm going to die here. But the COVID virus is like, I'm going to go around and under and through the nostrils for this fucking mask. Not a problem. Also, I don't know if this guy's surrounding schools were in person or not, but obviously if you keep the kids home from school, you're probably not going to spread the flu as much. And one last thing, apparently uh, the CDC is now moving away from the, uh, the PCR test for COVID because apparently it has a hard time distinguishing from the what? The flu. But even if masks quote unquote worked, they don't work because you can't mandate them You can't ensure they're being worn properly. And we're not a masked society. We we can't wear masks forever. I mean, if you want to, go for it. But this is not how the world is going to work. And by the way, the flu kills more kids than COVID every year. And it's nasty. And it's something as a parent you do worry about. So we're off to a bad start. I disagree there. But there is agreement that I have with uh, this listener. Number two, COVID absolutely without question has the ability to overrun hospital systems. Some of our sister hospitals around the country experienced it. Fortunately, my hospital did not. Okay. It has the ability to overrun. But did it actually overrun hospital systems and define overrun? Are we talking about 
oh, well, we had to put some patients in the hallway while we cleared beds. Or we had to uh, transfer them to another hospital because we were full. Both of those things, I'm sure, happened. Is that being, quote, overrun? Like, what was the worst outcome that you ever heard publicized about? Oh, my God. You know, there's just somebody that was stacked up outside the hospital like cordwood, and they just died right out there. Maybe in Italy early on in some of the villages without a lot of infrastructure. But hell, we built field hospital after field hospital at millions of dollars. We floated the USS Comfort up to New York, didn't use them. So yeah, COVID could overrun hospitals, but guess what? The flu overruns hospitals during certain bad bad flu seasons. So that's point two for my listener. Point three, COVID deaths are actually caused by COVID. While it's true that most people have comorbidities, and I emphasize most, death was not necessarily on the near horizon for most of these patients. Saying COVID didn't kill them is like saying the sudden heart attack didn't kill the person with long-standing hypertension and diabetes. Yes, those diseases contributed to the heart attack, but it was the heart attack that killed them. I agree totally. But we got to be careful here because a lot of deaths that were counted as COVID really weren't caused by, they were with. In fact, you know, they were, when he says COVID deaths are actually caused by COVID, not all. Some people die of other things entirely, and then they test them and they go, oh, and you also had COVID. And there's motorcycle crashes and there's gunshot wounds in that data, corrupted to the tune of probably 30% of the final death toll. Number four, COVID is different, he says. I don't know how to explain it other than that. The, path- the pathophysiology of COVID is very difficult to explain. Why, you might even say it was engineered. Oh, we can't predict why some have a massive inflammatory response that kills them, and we can't explain why others don't even know they had it. I agree, totally. Maybe we should call China and get together with our buddies over there and say, hey, China, that virus, can we get together? I want to compare some notes here. You, You come let us see your lab and talk about, oh, no, no, you're busy? What do you mean you're busy? It's a big deal. The whole world shut down. The virus came from your country. You're not going to help us here? Yeah, COVID is different. I agree on that point. Number five, he says, I'm seeing significant surges again. Well over 90% of our cases have not been vaccinated, and the average age is down about 10 years. Okay, that's to be expected. You're going to get a high number of unvaccinated because that's what is out there for the plucking by the virus. What are you going to do about it? Uh, Number six, I hope government will commission the study that needs to be done, namely, was the cost of our COVID response greater than the cost of letting COVID go unchecked? (laughs) My friend, not only will our government not commission such a study, but if they did, they'd fuck that up royally. And to think, well, was our response more costly than just letting it go unchecked? Yes. But when you say let it go unchecked, that is a bit of a leading question because many said, look, we're not going to do nothing. We should protect the vulnerable, increase capacity at hospitals, throw the kitchen sink at possible treatments and not demonize certain over-the-counter drugs hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, et al. 
And we should otherwise let the younger, healthier people go about society so they can get it and then be immune and then build up herd immunity. There's a country that did this. And they're doing great right now when everyone else is still in the shit. What's that country's name? It's got an S to it. Nobody talks. Sweden. That's right. By the way, the whole playbook on how to handle a pandemic like this was written, and it was totally opposite of everything that was done. But they ripped it up and threw it out the window because of reasons who knows why. As far as the government commissioning a study to figure it out, get the fuck out of here. No chance. Anyway, he goes on to say, because this has been politicized and the CDC has made mistakes with recommendations, people are not looking to good sources for information. Hell, it's been really difficult for me, so how can I expect others to make heads or tails of it? I will give you my nuts and bolts take. One, COVID-19 is real virus that causes real disease. That's a straw man. You don't even need to say that. Nobody but the most fringe-ass, lunatic, Alex Jones truthers would say anything otherwise. So just throw that out. Don't even make that. The vaccine is safe and effective at reducing the risk of transmission, but more importantly, dramatically dropping the risk of severe disease and or death. I would put the vaccine appears to be safe and effective, and I would say that we need to know how long it actually lasts. Number three, the risk of morbidity or or mortality from the virus is much greater than that, that of the vaccine. I don't know about that for all age groups. I would say the younger you are and the healthier you are, it's not a risk worth taking because... Your number of, you know, your risk of dying from COVID is so small. And when you throw a vaccine into the mix, it may be in terms of sheer numbers per million, three or four poison M&Ms in the big bowl. But that poison M&M that might fuck you up some weird way because, you know, a vaccine is a wild card. It's a wild card that even if it's for the most part safe, If you don't have to draw the wild card from the deck, if you're 22 years old and fit as a motherfucker, why would you even draw the wild card? I'd say, eh, you know what? This is more known. The virus is a more known thing for the younger age group than the uh, wild card of the vaccine. He then says, we don't know how long uh, previous infection provides. Yeah, we don't know, but we know a lot, and we know that in general, uh, natural immunity or immunity through exposure is almost certainly better because it stimulates your whole immune system. All the things that go into it, they rally together and talk. your body talks to each other like, what the fuck is this thing? Get it out of here. Kill, kill, kill. And there's different cells that do different stuff. The vaccine, while wonderful, it just does one little thing. It puts a little spike protein into your system and says, there, that's what COVID looks like. Go fuck it up. And that's not the full, robust immune response of a normal thing. Uh, point number five, he says, many people are ignoring facts one and two because of the politicization of the pandemic. Fact one is COVID-19 is real. Nobody's ignoring that. And number two is the vaccine is safe and effective. The vaccine appears to be safe and effective. And we don't know how long it lasts. And I don't think all age groups and all health stratas uh, really need to take it or should take it. So there you go. But you know what? Thank you. My friend, my listener, whose name shall remain nameless, excellent stuff. You shit out into the tank this morning more knowledge about immunology and biochemistry and virology than I'll ever know. But I 
am somebody who is keenly aware of and thinks about and talks about, and I do have a degree in political science. And half of this whole equation is a political science argument that really has nothing to do with the virology and the immunology. It's like you take the basics of, okay, what's this virus? What's its survival rate? Who does it affect? Can we stop it? That's kind of all you need to know if you're then going to argue in the public policy sphere of, okay, this is what we've got. What are we going to do? Are we going to tear society limb from limb and tear it to shreds, focusing only on this thing and cause all kinds of unconstitutional encroachments on freedom and basic rights? Not me. I fucking hate it. Are we going to bankrupt small business? Are we going to print a ton of money that's going to lead to hella inflation in about three, two, one? I say no. We shouldn't do that. But that email, excellent email. And if you listen to my arguments, we agreed on 65% of it. Maybe disagreed on the other 35%. And yeah, he knows all about the medical stuff. I know enough to kind of get a grasp on it. And the rest is a political, societal question that we are fucking failing. And a lot of other Western societies. Holy shit, look at Australia. Look at Australia. It's returned to being a prison colony, which is how it started. It's sad. It's scary. It's crazy. Sweden aced the test. We're fucking it up. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At MyBookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at MyBookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come lately's. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know, maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules, you name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cut number five. Yo, what's that bird? Apparently, the majestic pink spoonbill has been sighted in D.C. It looks like a cross between a blue heron, a great blue heron, which we have plenty of around here, and a flamingo because it's pink and it flies. And, you know, bird nerds and and nature people are like, what? the fuck is that doing here? The roseate spoonbill's journey up the East Coast this year is a mystery. Normally lives in Florida. As a bird nerd, I just love the fact that they're like, wait, what? What, 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 are, you, what are you doing here? <laughs> you don't belong up here. I mean, you're welcome. I hope you're enjoying our wonderful area and the fish and the bugs and whatever else you eat, but uh, probably should get back to Florida at some point. I didn't read the article, you know, TLDR. I'm sure, though, it has something in there about climate change. Cut number six. Now that, my friends, is white privilege. A lot of hype about one Jessica Springsteen. Yes, the daughter of New Jersey musician Bruce Springsteen. She's not that good, although I guess she's in the Olympics. She's only 29 years old. She is supposedly a star in her own right as an unusually young equestrian competing at the Tokyo Olympics. Well, I'm sure Bruce has spent (laughs) millions of dollars on her sport. And while she may be talented, let's not kid ourselves. It's a sport for the super rich. And those who have a lot of leisure time. Now, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's scary. You fuck yourself up getting thrown from a horse. I'm too scared to do it, so good for her. But the hyping of Jessica Springsteen, that is the definition of, hey, man, what about that white privilege? We need to check that, unless she's really good. Cut number seven. Happy birthday, Tommy boy. Tom Brady is 44. Let's go! All right, that was a 22-second supercut of him saying, let's go. None of those were repeats, by the way. Those were all cold from NFL films. And it actually went on for another 30 seconds, but I spared you of that. He's got a long way still to go to match George Blanda, who is the oldest player ever in NFL history at 48 years and some odd number of days. He finished his career at Blanda, I believe, as a kicker. He both kicked and he played quarterback. And there's old photos of George Blanda at 48 that are just incredible. Looked like an old warhorse. In fact, you get photos of Blanda at 44 and put him next to Brady at 44, and you're like, wait a minute. How come Brady's getting more handsome? How come his jawline is getting more square? His dimple on his chin is getting deeper. His hair is fantastic. 
Anyway, Brady, I expect, is going to have a huge season. He played last year with a knee injury nobody knew about. In an offense, he was still getting to learn. He's going to be a problem in the NFC. But why don't people think Aaron Rodgers is going to do the same thing? Why don't they think he's going to play to 44? Why wouldn't he? You think he's going to retire with gas left in the tank? No football players do that. Football retires players against their will by injury or just they can't cut it anymore. Especially the greats. I have no doubt Rodgers will play to 44 and maybe longer because he's in great shape. And other than a knee injury in college, I think he's sustained less damage than Brady. I think he knows how to avoid hits better than Brady. I hope it's with the Packers until he's 44, but I don't know. Starting to look more and more like he might leave. And that's the thing about Rodgers. At first I said, okay, so what did he get by chopping one year off his contract? They were never going to use that year anyway. But then I thought about it and I was like, you know what though? When a player enters his walk season and what what Rodgers was able to do was not only get that last year, the third year chopped off his contract, but he made them say no franchise tags, which is huge. I have railed for years that the union, if they were smart, and they're not, should go go for the franchise tag to kill it, kill it with fire, dead on arrival. No tags, no franchise, no transition, none of that shit. Because the most powerful thing for a good player to do is to enter his walk year because it creates leverage. Rodgers, as soon as the season ends in January or, God willing, February, is going to be in his walk year. He will be able to walk at the end of next year to any team that wants him for any price that he and his agent can negotiate. And that is going to put immense pressure on the Packers if he has another great season. It's like, oh, wow, he was great again. And we went to the Super Bowl. Maybe we won, maybe not. But shit, he can walk after this year and it doesn't sound like he wants to re-sign with us. Sounds like he wants to play out this season. Oh, fuck, what are we doing? They could trade him for one year, but they're not going to get very much because they know they're trading a rental for one year. Now, it's a rental somebody would pay a whole hell of a lot for, but... um. There's a lot more leverage now in Aaron Rodgers' camp than I thought at first. Cut number eight. Wheelchair boxing, count me in. Apparently, Conor McGregor is going to fight in a wheelchair bout against a well-known impressionist by the name of Al Foran. Yeah, Al Foran. I've never heard of him. But basically, uh, this came about because Al Foran, who does this uh, Conor McGregor impersonation, amongst others, was, uh, you know, talking shit. And now that McGregor is recovering from that broken ankle in the Daniel Poirier fight, he's going to fight in a wheelchair. Now, the first thing I did was, well, is Al Foran an impressionist who happens to be disabled or uniquely abled in a wheelchair? And the answer is no. And I'm like, well, I would never as somebody blessed enough with a working pair of legs to get into a wheelchair for any reason whatsoever out of karma and respect for those who aren't as lucky. Now, 
I don't know if there's any listeners out there that are currently, you know, that currently or, or, or use a wheelchair because of a disability. Let me know what you guys tend to think. What is there a community wide thought about able bodied people getting a wheelchair just for a stunt or for fun, or in this case, a fucking boxing match? The king himself, yeah? Robert De Niro, how you doing? How are you? Mystic Mike again, yeah? All right, so basically the Conor McGregor impression, you have to, oh, box, oh, 10 seconds to talk about that, for oh, yeah. sake. So basically, you have to raise your voice a little like that, yeah? And you have to be a little more Dublin, South Dublin, Crumlin kind of accent, and that's the Conor McGregor yeah, I don't know if that guy's really good as an impressionist, but all right, if this boxing match happens, I don't know how, what do you wheel up and you lean over and you punch a guy? Can you punch him in the knee? Can you punch him in Conor McGregor's surgically repaired ankle? All I know is I would not get in that wheelchair if I were a guy that wasn't already using one. Cut nine, the unfriendly skies. Stories keep coming of mayhem. In the air, the latest is a man had to be duct taped to his seat after he allegedly groped flight attendants and other passengers on a Frontier airline. Oh, Frontier. (laughs) Yes. Fly with savages, get savage behavior. Cell phone footage obtained by WPLG shows the flyer Maxwell Berry 22 being duct taped to the back of a seat. (laughs) He was arrested by waiting cops on three counts of battery. The video also shows him scuffling with a male flight attendant and yelling profanities while sitting in a window seat. I have said before, this one I don't get about airlines. Somebody who knows the business set me straight on this. So I'm sitting, I, I got really lucky on my Southwest flight home from Milwaukee last week. Because it was almost a full flight, and I had one of the few middle rows, maybe three of them, middle middle seats, that was open. And I was like, oh, man. It's, and and I, had a, I had a bad boarding number. I had B40, but I picked just right. Anyway, all I know is I sit in a seat for a flight that costs, let's say, $238 round trip. And I'm looking at another seat next to me that I would love to guarantee it being open. I know I could buy that seat for another $238 in theory. I I think, are you allowed to buy two seats? Even if you're not traveling with anyone else, can you get on and go, yeah, I've got two tickets and my imaginary friend Raul is sitting right there. I'm talking to him right now. You cannot sit in that seat. Are you allowed to do that? Instead of having to pay double for your ticket, I just want to pay another 50%. Because $238 plus another $160, let's say, or $170. Math is great. <laughs> That's a deal. All I want, I don't need more legroom. Would I like it? Sure. I don't need it, though. I just need it to not be next to me. So now you're saying, well, you're only paying for half the seat. That would require the other person to pay for half of their middle seat as well. Aha, 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 aha. This is why you create a first class that is not necessarily first class. It is just two seats that have a wide space between them so it's comfortable. 
So it's like a pseudo first class in which you're basically guaranteed because I'm sure a bunch of other people would say, oh, for 50% more, I'm definitely going to buy that extra space. And it would keep the savages on Frontier Airlines, uh, hopefully off of your flight. All right, finally, cut number 10. Death by fake Titanic. What? Imagine a museum where you could go see the Titanic, or at least a chunk of it, and learn about it and see artifacts, and let's say in that museum you actually ended up dying thanks to a collapsing iceberg. Because apparently that has almost happened. I don't know if these people have died, but the headline is Titanic Museum Visitors Hospitalized After Iceberg Wall Collapses. What? This is a elaborate and really good-looking fake Titanic on a little fake ocean with real water and some sort of jet that shoots water onto the bow of the Titanic, the fake Titanic, to make it look like it's cruising through the ocean. And it's got a giant iceberg that's on the side of the fake Titanic. And apparently a big chunk of it collapsed and three guests were taken to the hospital. At the time, they don't know the extent of their injuries. I hope they survive, but still. Uh, the museum has been in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee since 2010, uh, closed after the accident. Needless to say, we would never have expected an incident like this to occur, as the safety of our guests and crew members are only on the always on the top of our mind. Yada, yada, maintenance, this, that, the other, whatever. Uh, the website says the museum has more than 400 artifacts from the doomed RMS Titanic itself, which sank during its maiden voyage to the UK from the UK to New York in 1912. In the museum, they say that visitors get to, quote, touch a real iceberg. Really? Touch a real iceberg? Where, where are you getting that from? And reach their hands into 28-degree water as they learn what it was like on the Titanic by experiencing it firsthand. Now, imagine a museum where they actually let you with a life vest jump into 28-degree water and cling to a chunk of wreckage in freezing cold water just to get the full experience and maybe give prizes to a group like, okay, whoever can stay in there the longest wins a prize. Come on, you can do it. Or maybe a museum where you get thrown off a 90-foot-high replica bow of a ship into the water. Maybe a museum where you get to shtup a fake Kate Winslet. Mm, Giddy up. Or punch Billy Zane in the nuts. Now there's a museum I want to go to. But I don't want to be crushed by a falling fake iceberg imagine telling your friends yeah my, my my parents passed away what what happened oh well they died in the titanic what you're 28 ben how's that possible oh yeah it was the fake titanic the one in tennessee iceberg fake iceberg uh, they're dead oh i'm the sick bastard no i'm not you are for laughing at that. Or music. Just swell the music up whenever I need to. All right. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for the peace of your ear and your continued faith and loyalty. As always, feedback at Zabe at Yahoo.com. Spread the love on social. Tell a few friends. Subscribe if you just can't get enough of me five days a week. Tomorrow, the return of Scott and Sally. So, Carol... 
Carol, you're out there. I know you're out there. Get ready. Your $5 subscription is about to pay off big time. Have a great hump day, and we will see you next time. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag.